11 dead in northeast China. Now officials are under fire following a tragic roof collapse at a middle school gym. A pink slip for one of Beijing's most public faces. Missing Foreign Minister Qinggen sacked in a one-sentence announcement. Speculation on why now running wild. Hello fans in China, this is Lee Kaya. A U.S.-born NBA star announcing his World Cup schedule, but this time he's representing America's biggest rival, China. And after three years of closed borders, North Korea is giving the green light for a major diplomatic visit. Two delegations from China and Russia are set to arrive there soon. But what sparked the shift? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A tragic incident in northeast China. Eleven are dead after the roof of a school gym collapsed, many of them teenage students. Outside the emergency room, the father of one of the victims said he wasn't allowed to identify his child. They tell me my daughter is gone, but I never got to see her. All the children had their faces covered with mud and blood when they were sent to the hospital. I pleaded, please let me identify the child. What if that wasn't my child? Now an hour has passed. They still won't let me identify the child. NTD spoke to a resident who lives one block from the scene. To protect her safety, we gave her a pseudonym, Li Ping. Li said her son saw the bodies from afar. He was standing pretty far away, but he could see the bodies were covered in mud. It's not just that the roof of the gym collapsed. For parents, their families have collapsed. Even if they end up getting millions in compensation, who would want that at the price of their child's life? Chinese media reports say the roof collapsed because builders loaded construction materials on top of it in violation of safety regulations. The materials then absorbed water from recent rainstorms and cracked the roof. Authorities arrested the head of the construction company. It's official. Chinese Foreign Minister Qinggan has been ousted. That's after he disappeared from the public eye for a month. Beijing removed Qinggan from office Tuesday, replacing him with his predecessor, Wang Yi. State-controlled media reports didn't give a reason for Qing's dismissal. Qing made headlines after he recently disappeared from public view. After meeting with Russia's deputy foreign minister a month ago, China canceled his scheduled meeting with the European Union's foreign policy chief. Qing later missed meetings with U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and climate envoy John Kerry. Qing's disappearance caught many by surprise. He was seen as a rising star within the Communist Party system and someone with Chinese leader Xi Jinping's trust. Qing's approach has also lined up with Beijing's wolf warrior diplomacy. Those who play with fire on Taiwan will eventually get themselves burned. Speculation has run rampant as to why he'd gone missing. Under China's opaque political system, officials haven't given a statement. At most, the foreign ministry said Qing couldn't attend a major summit due to what they called health reasons. Qing's term as foreign minister lasted seven months. The fallout from a Chinese cyber attack might be even bigger than expected. Details are coming out that weeks ago, Chinese hackers breached the email accounts of certain U.S. government agencies, those accounts hosted by Microsoft. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo was among those affected by the hack. 
Now, a cloud security firm called Wiz is warning that hackers may have gotten access to more than emails. Also OneDrive, Teams and SharePoints. That's because hackers breached the email accounts using a Microsoft account signing key. Even though Microsoft revoked the impacted keys, a researcher from Wiz wrote that details about the hack show users may have been compromised. What's more, a security researcher is calling the findings a nightmare scenario for those assessing impact. We'll keep you updated as the situation unfolds. What role are American tech companies playing in China's rise? And as Beijing races to compete with American AI, will U.S. firms look to mitigate risks in their China investments? NTD's Steve Lance speaks to national security consultant Paul Rosenzweig to explore America's ties with the Chinese regime. Paul Rosenzweig, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. Paul, if I could ask you, how have American tech companies like Microsoft, Apple, Amazon contributed, in your opinion, to China's rapid development of AI capability and what repercussions might might we be facing as a result? Well, let, let's break that apart. The, as to how they've helped, all of the companies you've named have had significant investments in China over the last five, 10 years. And uh, to be frank, that makes a lot of economic sense from their point. Uh, Microsoft, for example, has a an Asian research center that's been called the cradle of Chinese AI because they've done a lot of cooperative ventures and training there. Ditto Amazon uh, and others, Apple, all of them have some presence in China that has resulted inevitably in the transfer of American technology, American intellectual property, if you will, to Chinese uh, companies over there. It is, I think, beyond doubt that uh, American innovation is being uh, followed by, slipstreamed by Chinese companies that are taking advantage of it. So what are the repercussions of it? Uh, the repercussions are the same as in any other technologically competitive area. Uh, we're reducing our competitive advantage by uh, assisting those who are economically uh, opposed to us. That wouldn't be such a big deal if the competition were only economic. Paul, uh, I mean, the U.S. government, we have the Select Committee on the CCP here. They're expressing deep concerns about the Chinese uh, regime's AI programs, cyber threats from China, uh, documented human rights abuses by the CCP. Yet despite these concerns, why do you think there are still, you know, several American uh, major corporations doubling down on their AI investments in China? I would be looking at how to de-risk my profile in China. Uh, it seems to me that the model that we want to have in mind or that, that I as a manager of a, of a tech company in China would want to have in mind is what's happened in Russia over the last two years. Um, the conflict in the Ukraine has led to multiple American companies having to exit um, Russia or reduce their investment in Russia in ways that disrupted their supply chains that disrupted their profitability. Paul Rosenzweig, very fascinating and important discussion. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Steve. U.S.-born NBA star Kyle Anderson will now be known as Lee Kyer. The change as he takes Chinese citizenship to play for China in the FIBA World Cup. Hello, fans in China. This is Lee Kyer. The former NBA player just announced his Chinese citizenship on Monday, along with his new contract with the Chinese Basketball Association, or CBA. The news shocked the U.S. sports industry. 
In a video on Chinese social media platform Weibo, the 29-year-old pro player refers to himself by the new name, Li Kai'er. Kyle Anderson was born in New York City. His maternal great-grandfather was reportedly Chinese, according to Chinese media. It's unclear if Anderson already gave up his U.S. citizenship. Under China's strict immigration policy, dual citizenships are not allowed. The news echoes another case. When a U.S.-born and trained skier represented China in the most recent Winter Olympics, Eileen Gu reportedly made over 34 million U.S. dollars from her Chinese platform. An unusual battleground emerges in Washington's standoff with China, American farmland. Leaders in the House of Representatives are introducing legislation to protect that land from foreign ownership, including farmland and sites critical to national security. Here's the story. California Representative Mike Thompson and Wisconsin's Representative Mike Gallagher introduced legislation earlier this month to strengthen and expand protections around national security sites, critical infrastructure, and farmland. In a statement, Thompson said, Protecting national security and food security go hand-in-hand in in our region, which is why it is vital to know who owns land around national security sites. This comes as a mysterious company called the Flannery Group spent about $800 million to buy large areas of land near the Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield, California. According to corporate filings, Flannery Group is a branch of Flannery Associates based in Delaware. This branch is registered as a foreign company in California. It is currently unknown who owns the company or what the land will be used for. But this recently introduced legislation aims to avoid a repeat of a 2021 incident when a China-based company bought farmland in South Dakota near a military base. Gallagher, who is also chairman of the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, also voiced his concerns about possible foreign adversaries owning U.S. land. He said, The United States cannot allow foreign adversaries like the Chinese Communist Party and its proxies to acquire real estate near sensitive sites like military bases or telecom infrastructure, potentially exploiting our critical technology and endangering our service members. In May, Biden proposed tighter controls over foreign land purchases by adding eight additional military installations to the list for national security review. A host of diplomatic trips, all to an isolated nation. Among them, a high-level Chinese delegation, plus envoys from Russia, all heading to North Korea this week. Marking the first official visit of its kind since Pyongyang closed its borders during the pandemic. Zooming in on those visits, Beijing is sending a member of the country's highest decision-making body, while the Russian delegation will be led by its defense minister. The trips mark what's been called a congratulatory visit for the 70th anniversary of the end of the Korean War. Pyongyang claimed a victory during the conflict. The U.S. Department of Defense also published an article praising American military efforts to aid Seoul in ending the war and minimizing harm on the front line. Then U.S. President Harry Truman stated that, quote, if South Korea fell, the communists would attack other nations, resulting in World War III. The Chinese and Russian envoys will arrive in North Korea amid simmering tensions between the peninsula's north and south and its U.S. allies. Ahead of the upcoming trips, a Western coalition is making a joint call for action directed at Beijing.
The group of seven, the European Union and three other countries, now urging China to use its influence and stop North Korea from evading sanctions in Beijing-controlled waters. According to a letter sent to China's UN ambassador, multiple oil tankers have been using Chinese waters as a safe haven, enabling illegal oil trade with Pyongyang. North Korea has been under UN sanctions for its missiles and nuclear programs since 2006, including an annual imports cap of petroleum and crude oil. China asserted on Monday that it strictly implements UN sanctions on North Korea. At the same time, Beijing says it's also looking to resume high-level talks with Japan and South Korea after a four-year-long halt. Another big story to look out for, a restaurant in China challenged patrons to gobble more than a hundred dumplings for a free meal. But the eatery has found itself in the hot seat instead. Authorities say it violated China's anti-food waste law passed in 2021. Why does Beijing treat food security as a matter of national security? That report and more coming up tomorrow on China in Focus. But coming up today, with Washington struggling to engage Beijing, former U.S. Chief Diplomat Henry Kissinger had a sit-down with Chinese leader Xi Jinping and its defense minister. The White House calling it unfortunate that a private citizen got more attention than some sitting U.S. officials. What should Washington make of Kissinger's surprise visit to Beijing? And in an unusual development, Chinese shopping platform Timu is taking fellow fashion giant Xi'an to court. What's behind the Chinese fast fashion feud? Plus, a First Amendment fight over a ban on TikTok. Is the restriction constitutional? We sat down with Colorado Representative Ken Buck for details. And I don't uh, believe that the First Amendment uh, covers espionage. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. An old friend to China took a surprise trip to Beijing. Apart from a sit-down with Xi Jinping, former U.S. diplomat Henry Kissinger also met with China's defense minister, who declined direct talks with U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin last month. What does the event say about the stalled communication between Washington and Beijing? Beyond that, why is Chinese e-commerce Timu suing fellow fashion giant Xi'an? Plus, a First Amendment fight over a ban on TikTok is raising an important question. Is banning the Chinese-owned app constitutional? We speak to Colorado Representative Ken Buck for more. Congressman Ken Buck, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Recently, there seems to be a lot of trips to China by U.S. officials and a private one, actually, by Kissinger. He was known in the past as kind of helping to open up China. What do you make of his surprise visit with Xi Jinping calling him a friend of China? Why now? Well, uh, we have a lot of tension uh, with China at this point, and I think he probably took it upon himself to, to go and see if he could reduce some of that tension. And what do you make of kind of the argument that's gone back and forth through the years, like, oh, with China opening up, say, joining the World Trade Organization, that's really helped lift millions of Chinese people out of poverty. On the other hand, some are arguing, oh, now free markets are less free. What's your take? Well, I think uh, anytime you uh, have a tyrant and you help that tyrant prosper and that tyrant buys uh, billions of dollars 
uh, and manufactures billions of dollars of armaments, you have to question just how uh, wonderful it was to open up that market. I'm sure American corporations are very happy about that. Um, it's the American kids that may fight in a future war that we have to be more concerned about. And on that note, it seems a lot of Chinese companies have also been entering the U.S. market and doing quite well. Right now, we actually have Timu suing Xi'an, kind of funny, in the U.S. But another one that's been making a lot of headlines is TikTok. And you're actually the one leading the charge to ban it. How likely are we to see a federal ban? I think we're, uh, it's likely that something will happen. I don't know whether it will be a ban or whether uh, we will have uh, an approval for the, uh, an American company controlling the data that uh, is accumulated by TikTok. And that's really the, the concern is that the Communist Party is going to use this data at some point um, in a cyber war. And so we want to make sure we don't uh, make it easy for them uh, to gather that data. And I think that the, uh, the overall uh, likelihood of a ban is low, but the uh, likelihood that a American company will store the data here in America is probably pretty high. And on that note, it seems we have seen more than half the states already ban it on, say, federal devices, and Montana's the first to ban it nationwide. TikTok is pushing back, suing on the grounds of First Amendment rights. It seems, you know, there's 160 million Americans on the app. Some people actually make a living off of it. What's your response to those who say their livelihoods are at stake if yeah. it gets banned? Well, um, I, don't, I don't really care. And I don't uh, believe that the First Amendment uh, covers espionage. The First Amendment covers an American citizen's ability to express their beliefs. Uh, when uh, a communist country is gathering information that could make America more vulnerable, uh, that's not First Amendment. And Congressman, if there's a ban or if a U.S. company takes over the data, how do we enforce this? How do we enforce? Uh, well, the, the, obviously the U.S. company has to sign agreements uh, pledging not to share that data with uh, the Communist Party in China or anyone outside of their company. And, and then we, they have to show the security measures that have taken place, uh, that they've instituted so that they aren't hacked and, and that information isn't taken away. And it seems like, for example, with the TikTok bill, it's quite a bipartisan issue. It seems when it comes to China, that's one of the few areas that is bipartisan right now. What are some of the actions maybe that's happening on Capitol Hill that we might not know of in this regards? Yeah, I think we're waiting for the administration to make a decision uh, whether the administration is going to approve uh, a company controlling the, the data. Um, if that doesn't happen, I think you're going to see legislation move through committee. And, and then come to the uh, floor of the House and then the floor of the Senate. But I think there is a clear appetite for stopping China from uh, accumulating this type of data. And zooming out a bit when it comes to, say, countering the Chinese Communist Party, it seems sometimes the argument is, oh, that's targeting the Chinese people. So how do we differentiate between the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese people? Well, the way I differentiate is I really I like the Chinese people. They are an industrious people. They are a tradition-loving people. Um, the Chinese Communist Party uh, is in control of so many of the institutions in China. and. Um, uh, in, in terms of promoting slave labor, in terms of promoting uh, the uh, censorship of uh, free speech and free flow of information. They don't share our values where I think the Chinese people do share our values. And so 
when we talk about uh, the uh, doing business uh, with China. Uh, anything that can help the Chinese people prosper is great. Anything that keeps that uh, uh, tyrannical government in power uh, is not so great. Well, Congressman, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you today. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.